the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 133, and our guest is Gabe Larson. Gabe is the creative force behind the band Waldemar. Waldemar's stunning new record, Ruthless, is on the way this coming May 5th, y'all. I have needed music now more than almost any time in my life, and Ruthless has been a steady, helpful companion during a very difficult season. I caught up with Gabe via Zoom, and we ended up doubling the expected time. We just kept talking and had such a great time. He's a thoughtful and fascinating guy, and I'm so excited to bring you my conversation with Gabe Larson of Waldemar. Yeah, man, I got you. You got me? Yeah, I got you, dude. Hey, it's really good to talk to you, man. Likewise. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited for this. I've been really looking forward dude, to it. Me me too. I've uh, been listening to a lot of your, your podcast since uh, Josh uh, sent it my way, and I've been very, very, very stoked to chat. I love love the show and um, love a lot of the guests that, you get, that you've had on. And um, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've been stoked, man. Oh, wow. Thank you. That means a lot to me. It all, you know, it always means a lot when folks listen and uh, especially folks I'm going to talk to, especially folks whose work I've been spending so much time with. I, uh, my, my new ritual is I burn a CD when I, when I get a, you know, a, a record, uh, the, the, the MP3s, yeah. right. And then I, I listen yeah. to it on my commute. So you've been my constant companion. Your record, oh, has, sweet. Or, or your, your record has been a constant companion. So, um, it's just been it's so beautiful, man. It is such a oh, beautiful thank record. Thank you. And and it's and it's like, you know, it's a record I needed and and, and I didn't know I needed. Mm. You know, it's there's oh, wow. a lot there are a couple of songs that I'm looking forward to diving into because um they are just speaking to me to the moment that I'm going through right now that's been really difficult mm. for the past ten months or so. And um Oh wow. And has given me like a little bit of hope. There's like I was I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, how do you describe this thing? And I was thinking about how there's a a, a feel of like you know what I mean. There's a feel yeah. of like uh, of like um, of melancholy, but also hopefulness. It's almost like totally. teetering right on those things, right? It's so I'm spring. Glad to hear you it's say totally. it's spring. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's like it's it it's the what I mean. 
you and I are in totally different time zones, whatever. But like, if you were at my, I'm sitting in my studio right now, but it's like a soft, like 45, 50 degrees and overcast right now. However, there's buds on the lilac bushes at my house. You know what I mean? And uh, it's, there's kind of this, there's melancholy surrounding everything. And yet, like, you know, that life is coming, you know? So um, I don't know. I just well, that's, had to just go deep right there, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we do, as you as you found out. Like that. That's what yeah. that's what uh, ruthless is to me. Like it's, mm. um, it, it it is that. There's uh, you know, there's like these moments, where you're kind of going through this sort of like really. Um, so I'll give you a perfect example, and this is a song mm-hmm. that really spoke to me. Was um, profit? Yeah. Um, I'm almost positive it's profit that where there is. Uh, this like really kind of beautiful sweeping music, and then there's like this Beck Odelay breakdown. Like at, at some point, this sort of like <laughs> this thing that feels like you know you know what I'm saying. This fe- thing that feels like it's coming from from like early Beck or something, and it just it fits. It, but there's like a like an element of almost chaos that gets um thrown in there. But the song itself is just like. I mean, lyrically, if you're going to say something, well, damn it, Gabe, say something. But I don't feel like a prophet. Yeah. I feel more like a harlot. What? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God, dude. Such a such yeah. a and, and just and and speaking to me like in that particular song, um, speaking to me to that that feeling right there that's mm-hmm. captured. Yeah. Uh, yep. Do do I feel that? Yeah, I mean, I I felt it, too, obviously. Yeah, I mean, like, um that that song especially like um this isn't like a political record really i would never describe it as that and i wouldn't even necessarily describe that song as a political song like at its core but um that song to me like if i could give it a word it's like exhaustion exasperation you know what i mean like with the the state of things of the world of uh seeing so much chaos so much like evil honestly you know and so much uh pain and sorrow and uh division and stuff like and like clearly seeing that i mean all of us feel that all of us sense that and yet i feel so completely powerless to do anything about that and even like and i don't know like i i think there's been different points in my life where i've felt like i feel like i have answers like oh these people are clearly in the wrong and if we just did this that would make everything better you know what i mean and um sometimes i feel that way about some stuff but man in recent years i have been finding myself feeling more and more at a loss uh as far as like solutions to stuff that i see going on um and like like not having a hard time like seeing like evil or um problems or division or strife but just like feeling exhausted with knowing like what to do about it and what's funny is i feel like i've never i i don't think i've ever really had whole lot of power to do anything Mm -hmm. about it but i think i thought that i at least had some like I, I took a, at least some amount of comfort in feeling like 
oh, well, if we just did this, you know what I mean? If we, if, if people just started thinking this way or behaving this way, then, you know what I mean? If we can just move in that direction. And lately I've been feeling even less sure of that, you know? So that's a, that's a long-winded, I mean, the, the lyrics <laughs> say that more succinctly, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, but I'm so glad you went into such detail with it because that's 100% the feeling that I'm, that I feel um, yeah. everything you just said is exactly what I, what I feel. And, and I think also for me, like, you know, so yeah, to, uh, not last night, night before Florida passed a almost complete abortion ban and, uh, right. and then the governor signed it at like midnight. And, uh, the next day I walked into a 10th grade classroom to teach English. And mm. right now what we're working on, the unit we're working on is making arguments. So we're talking about, mm you know, kind of, we were talking about issues of speech, um, bodily autonomy is exactly what we just happened to be talking about. We're talking about vaccinations and mandatory vaccinations and kids are making arguments. And so, you know, I don't shy away from controversial topics, even though I'm in Florida totally. and, and you know, it's, it's, uh, you do so at your own peril as a teacher, but like, <laughs> you know, I'm, um, I'm not yeah. going to quit being a good teacher, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. the law says I can't, doesn't mean I'm not going <laughs> to, so uh, anyway, the like right away, you know, a kid came up to me, uh, a girl came up to me and she's like, um, you know, just had this look on her face of like, I need you, the adult, to tell me it's going to be OK. And mm. she and mm. she 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 didn't say that. What she said was she said, what do you think? Of, are we going to get a chance to talk about this abortion ban? And, mm. and she and she, but the look on her face very much communicated like I need you to do something. And mm. I, dude, I felt so hopeless. I was mm. like, what the, I started crying. I was like, I mm. don't, and I'm like, I just apologized to her. I was, I, I didn't know what else to do. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And what I did was I opened up the floor for kids to talk for a few minutes. Like if they needed to talk about anything and they did, like it was very much on their minds. And another student brought it up um, unrelated to the first student but mm -hmm. I just stood there just like, and I said, just was honest with them. I was like, I wish I could tell you it's going to be okay. Or, mm -hmm. like, you know, give you some kind of hope or something. But yeah, the truth is I'm scared too. Like, I, I don't know what to tell yeah. you other than that I'm scared. And that mm -hmm. feeling, and again, going back to, to the song, like that feeling is captured in the song. Cause that's how I felt. I felt like I know I know this stuff inside and out. I, I majored in political science. I have a law degree. I, I, I read this stuff all the time. Like, no, I don't yeah. necessarily have answers, but I know my shit. And, at the, and mm. still, I was st standing there just going, <laughs> I don't know what to say to you. I got right nothing. Now. I got nothing. Yeah. 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 Man, that, that reminds me, honestly, of uh, what, what you're just saying reminds me actually of like the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, like March 2020, April 2020. My uh that feeling of like craving somebody to tell me that things are going to be okay you mm -hmm. know what i mean and like looking for the adult in the room as it were you know yeah. and and uh like i remember uh uh my my mom and my dad and my sister were actually on were were overseas they were in, they were in italy like right as everything was getting crazy and if you can remember it feels like an eternity ago but like Italy was kind of one of the first, like, well, it wasn't like one of the first places that really stuff started getting crazy, but it was like North Italy. All of a sudden stuff started breaking out there 
and my parents were in southern Italy or something. I my my geography of Italy, my geography in general is terrible, but uh, wherever if Vatican and Rome is that southern Italy? Do you know? It's so Rome is kind of in the middle. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I studied abroad I'm, in Rome. It's a, it's I, like okay. right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not crucial to the story at all. I'm sidetracking myself, but but That's anyway, right. they were like they were at the Vatican with like a thousand people which if you've been to the vatican like a thousand people is like nothing whatever but like the whole place was starting to clear out but um they like basically caught like the last flight out of europe more or less and it was really dicey for a while i wasn't sure if they were going to make it back and everything was just crazy at that time and i remember i my parents landed and i called my dad and he like put me on speakerphone with my with my mom and my dad and my my sister and they were kind of they were like not like freaked out or anything like that they were just like oh wow this is crazy like we got to get home you know what i mean like i don't know if we're gonna be able to get home but but so they just get on the phone my dad's just like really calm and was just like like oh yeah we're we're back we're driving home and like while he was like just talking about just like their travel stuff i i just like was completely bawling on the other side of the phone and he didn't even know it. And then he like, it, so he said something and I was like, I like tried to respond and I was like, <laughs> and then, he, and then all of a sudden they're all crying or whatever. And I like, I, I, in that moment, like I, I felt like I really needed my dad. It's like, I'm an, I'm an adult, but I needed to just like hear from my dad that like, he's okay, that things are going to be okay. Um, and it was, it was weird. Like, I mean, my dad is such a, is my my hero you know and it was it was funny the what he the way that he comforted me it was just like you know we don't know what's gonna happen you know what i mean i'm not gonna lie to you about that but like and yet still things are gonna be okay you know and even in the not knowing and i i drew a lot of comfort from that um in the especially in the early stages of the pandemic when there were no adults in the room <laughs> everybody was guessing and <laughs> nobody nobody knew what was going on man but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think that like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, looking, looking at the the adults in the room question. I mean, especially because that's that's one of the things that in, in this the whole spirit of what we've been discussing that um mm. that I've been struggling with is like I'm at that stage where I'm supposed to be the adult in the room. Like I'm I'm yeah. at that age, right? <laughs> yeah, like totally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just had a, I just had my my first kid uh, my daughter she just turned one just like a week ago nice and yeah yeah but that has been like a thing that i've been realizing so much just the first year of having a kid is i thought that i would know like that i would be much more sure of myself like you know like when you're a kid and you think about your dad and you're like oh my dad he'd he's got it he knows what's going on like oh my my dad will take care of me and now i'm in that position and i'm like um what are we doing (laughs) Uh, i'm supposed to know what's going on here and i have i'm making it up every day i am making it up (laughs) that's funny man well i think the the thing i've come to grips with with and i'm only speaking for me here but the 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 adults in my life when i was a kid and especially especially the men just had almost no self-awareness and so mm. their confidence really came from a place of like a- almost arrogance, you know, like, mm. and so I look back on some of those people and I go like, 
those that, that guy was my hero. <laughs> you know, like I looked up oh, to that sure. guy, you know, <laughs> now with the benefit of hindsight, I look back and I'm like, that guy kind of sucks. You know, he's sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a little bigoted and like, he's not very nice. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not kind not, to the kittens and birds, you know, like not the role model that you, that you, that you previously looked at him to. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of disorienting. So that as you try to shape whatever adult you want to be, you know, trying yeah. to kind of like go, well, I don't want to be like that guy, you know, that's, yeah. not, that's not how I want to be. So it is instructive in that way, but it's still like kind of disorienting because we do need, I, I, we all need somebody to tell us it's going to be okay. Right. We all, yeah, we, we all need there's, that. There's a deep crave in, in, in the soul, I think for, for somebody else to, uh, take care of us to tell us that we're going to be okay. You know, I think there's, there's like this perpetual childlikeness that I think yeah. never goes away in any of us, no matter how old we get that. I think I don't, and I, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would just describe it as that, that it, that seems apparent to me that maybe as we get older, we get better at hiding that, you know, or mm. get better at faking that that's not, that that's not in there somewhere. But I think, honestly, I, I, I think that, things like a global pandemic and political chaos and stuff have been so brutal and so hard on us as a culture, but in a weird way, I think there's something that has been like probably like really healthy through hardship that I think some illusions of security have gone away, you mm. know, and illusions of control have mm. gone away. And even though that's been like really hard, it's certainly shaken me. I think it's shaken everybody in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's healthy to actually, <laughs> this sounds like a stupid sentence. I think it's healthy for us to face reality. <laughs> like, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, like we're not in control in the ways that we think we are. In fact, we're like barely in control if at all, you know? Mm. Um, and that we can, we can pretend that like our, economy will keep us safe that our military will keep us safe that our country will keep us safe that our political leaders will keep us safe whatever and i think it's it's probably a healthy thing for us to go through as a country as a world whatever to like just realize like oh like these are these systems are only as strong as they are and apparently that's not very strong you know what yeah. i mean that yeah it, a, a virus can just come through and completely pull down the economy can completely pull down all of our systems that can disrupt everything. You know what I mean? And so um, that could happen again next year. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's healthy to not like move through your day at all times, just living paralyzed by fear, you know, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think that there's, I, th I think throughout a lot of human history, people have lived with an awareness, a, a greater awareness of their lack of control over their surroundings and, and their life. And I think modern people have in some ways enjoyed uh, a time of, of illusion. You know what I mean? The comforts of illusion that we have in our modernity have solved uh, things that used to cause chaos in the world. Um and I think we've been learning that that was not true. <laughs> well, and, and, and what you just said there, one one of the first things you said was you you were talking about the idea that like maybe we, as we get older, 
get better at sort of hiding things. And I, I think yeah. that, I think that then you went on to, to talk about how sort of the, the veil has been lifted quite a bit on yeah, yeah, yeah. illusions of security. And um, I, I, I find that kind of hopeful too, what you just said, because mm-hmm. ultimately, and when we're making stuff, this is true, right? Ultimately, we want to get to the most authentic version of the truth. We want to get to, to yeah. the most authentic version of ourselves in that work that we're doing, that creative work. Um, and if the veil has been lifted, it's a lot easier to get there. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to push to, I don't know. I, I feel much more comfortable. I've always been pretty, com- been pretty comfortable sharing my emotions. I feel mm-hmm. way more comfortable now in the last three years, just being totally vulnerable than I yeah, did before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think, I mean, again, this sounds like a stupid, like, duh sentence or whatever, but like, doesn't like just the, the, the truth feels good, even if yeah. it's hard. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and yeah, I, I, sometimes I think, uh, even if the truth is hard, like, I, I don't know, like, um, I'm trying to think of like a good example of this, but, I don't know, maybe like maybe like when you're a kid and, and your your parent you're lying to your parent about something. Your parent asks you something and you lie, you're afraid you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah. Like that feeling of now I'm there's a disconnect between me and this person and I'm trying to like hold up this false falseness or whatever, that when your parent finally is like, uh what? Th- this is not adding up. Wait, are you lying to me? And then you're like, Yes. Yes, I'm lying. <laughs> and then you just like face the punishment that's going to come. But like mm-hmm. the relief that comes of like, oh, we're now living in the truth together. And yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to have to go to my room and I can't play with my friends today. You know what I mean? But like, there's still like a relief that comes from like living under the truth versus living under lies or living under illusions or, or even living under misunderstanding. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, it's yeah, facing the hardships of whatever the truth may bring, I think at the end of the day is always better than than living under a lie or living under illusion. But I mean it doesn't make the hardness of it go away, but it is better, you know. It is better. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's dive into the the process of making this beautiful record. Um Yeah. So unconventional in a lot of ways you it seems like <laughs> you took took you a while and you yeah, too long too long <laughs> you're in your nobody should work right? on a record for yeah nobody should work on a record for five years that's that's silly that's but, really silly <laughs> well well i'm glad you did um, and i'm glad you stuck with it and, and that, that all i mean you know you, that's that shows a lot of perseverance um to to stick with it that long i mean you could have given up yeah. you know that's that's that is a long time to, to work on, on a project <laughs> yeah i bet well let's talk about that let's talk about that yeah. like um you know di- so you've you you in the process of this you built the studio um mm-hmm. you were working in various jobs making this whole thing happen <laughs> can you talk about yeah. like uh, the lead up to to making this record or, or the process of making this record and and like how you, why you didn't give up on it yeah oh man uh great questions uh well yeah so uh I put out the the first piece of music that I put out under Waldemar was a EP. I think put it out in like 2017, early January, 2017, I think sounds right. I think it was 2016. doesn't matter. Somewhere around then. And, uh, and uh, pretty immediately wanted to start working on a fuller 
body of work on a on a full full record and um so yeah after we we like played some shows around that ep and kind of let that ep run its course and then uh um i pretty much jumped right into the writing really intentionally um and intensely (laughs) for for this record and did probably about a solid year of writing i think this is between like 20 sometime in 2017 for about a year into 2018 and during that time um uh i was driving school bus at at the time which was just like such a like it was probably one of the most like creatively uh I want to say fertile that feels like not the right word um but kind of like <laughs> um uh maybe not let's let's reach for a different word i don't know like it was very generative <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh, there's no way to do it there's there's no way i'm sorry yeah, yeah. Reel that back in yeah, we'll, yeah we'll edit that in post just kidding um, i gotta let that one roll game that's <laughs> <laughs> fine that's fine i'll let it ride uh but yeah like i because i it was just such a regimented time of my life where i would i was mm. up at like 5 15 5 30 in the morning okay like like cup of coffee out the door race to the bus station go pick up the kids drop them off at school and then i'd be home by like 9 or nine thirty. coffee eggs and then i'd head to um my a little bedroom studio set up because i didn't have the, the studio studio yet and I had like a four hour chunk, which was just like perfect because it was like enough time where you could actually get something done, but it was short enough that like you had to move, which like those kind of constraints was just like perfect. And the house was empty. My wife was off at work and stuff. And I just got so much writing done. And wow. um, so like in the, in the mornings when I'd be dropping the kids off, I'd be kind of like thinking about what song I'd like where I'd left it off the day before. And then I would, bounce a mix at at, uh in the in the afternoon put it on my phone race back to the bus station and listen to whatever my mixes were the entire way to the bus station then go pick up the kids from school drop them off at the house and kind of the entire time i'm driving i'm still just kind of like in the background of my brain just kind of like percolating on on the melodies and arrangements and stuff like that so it was kind of like my my john prine time i guess of like when he was like a mailman delivery guy that was my version of that, I guess, was driving, driving bus, working on, working on these songs. But, but yeah, so after about a year of that, I, I thought, um, keyword is thought that I had a record that was ready to get recorded and, um, uh, called up my buddy, Brian, who's a insane heavy lifter producer in Eau Claire, uh, has produced a ton of great records. Um, and we were going to do the next Wally record together at his place and set some dates on the calendar and then all of a sudden he uh calls me up and we go out for breakfast at the vfw and he was like hey i just got a job uh with the war on drugs to go on tour as their sound guy and so i'm gonna take it i gotta clear my calendar um including your record uh and which was like the most like crazy bittersweet thing ever because like the war on drugs is like one of my favorite bands ever and brian's brian's such a good buddy it was just like so stoked for him and at the same time i was like devastated like Mm -hmm. so like so devastated like he's just such a at at the time was just like i think dealing with some like pretty significant artistic insecurities of feeling like i really needed my feeling at the time was i really needed brian to the language i would use to to 
rescue me from making a bad record you know that like okay i would bring him these like songs and he would make sure that they actually end up good you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and uh um but so yeah i kind of went through a, a little tough season of kind of now what after that but but uh yeah i but i was sitting on a, a little pile of money that i was planning on paying brian to make the record and my brother nick and i we just kind of got this wild hair where we're like what if we turned that old horse barn at your house into a studio, which had always kind of been a pipe dream. My brother, Nick and I, we've worked at other people's recording studios over, over the years and having our own place to work uh, sounded, sounded like, Oh, that would be great. You know, like winning the lottery, that would be sweet if we had a place of our own, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of those perfect scenarios where we like knew just enough to feel like we could do it but not enough to actually know what we were getting ourselves into. And cause if we would have known exactly what we were getting ourselves into, I don't think we would have started, you know? Oh, wow. Um, you know, it was one of those things. So, uh, so yeah, we, we decided to build a, build a studio and the, the building itself. Yeah. Like I said, it, my house was built in the 1890s and there was this old horse barn at the house and, um, and it was barely hanging on. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people it would have, it probably would have saved us time and money if we would have just dozed the whole thing and <laughs> started over. But you can't do that to 1890s uh, buildings, man. Uh, That's, you yeah, can't yeah, do that. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it took us two years to build the studio. Um, and uh, and in that time, I I wasn't really super actively working on the songs, which in hindsight now I think was really good for my mind to just kind of like, kind of take a break from the songs a little bit. Um, and I think they grew without me working on them. You know what I mean? Over that time uh, of just building, building this, building the studio, I think they, they kind of had time to mature in, and I don't know exactly how to describe it other than, other than that. Um, Cause that doesn't really make sense, but for some reason that, that feels right to me, but, but yeah, but then um, after we finished building the studio and the whole time of building the studio, I thought that we were going to be done building the studio like next month for like 24 months straight. It was like, <laughs> like I, I didn't, I, at, at no point did I ever like, dawn on me like oh maybe this is going to take a lot longer than you (laughs) than you think it was like every single month it was like like okay we just got to hang this drywall and mud it and then we just got to hang a few lights and then like we're good to go we should have that done in like four weeks and then like two weeks later clearly realizing that's not going to happen getting like super dejected going through this like emotional swing of like oh this is never going to get done and then kind of dusting myself off and like okay new goals if we can just do this and this and this four weeks it'll be done you know and it was like that copy paste copy paste (laughs) 24 months it was so stupid but uh and i still didn't learn the lesson because then after we finally finished the studio i was like okay great we're gonna get in the studio and we're gonna record this record it'll take us a month to track it month to mix it we'll have it out by december (laughs) yeah yeah two years of uh about like yeah probably about a year and a half of recording and about a half a year of mixing and stuff and such a long haul man Man. again again, like i if again if i would have known exactly what we were getting ourselves into like like i don't man i don't i don't know if i would have kept going honestly like it was the it was the thinking that i was running a sprint but that i I thought I was running a sprint for a marathon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like if I would have, if I would have known that I was signing up for a marathon, I think I would have 
screw that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess well, I'm just going to be sad. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, but that's such a great illustration of what we're capable of when we don't, like when we don't allow the, our anxieties and our insecurities to get in the way. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there's a place for that. But at the same time, you know, when we're capable of so much more and we're so much better than we realize we are creatively mm -hmm. or otherwise. And when you're not trying to face that marathon, when you're not thinking about it in that way, and you're just in there doing yeah. the work, you were, you were doing the work every day. And so yeah, whether that sure. was the building of the studio or that was the writing of the songs, you were in there doing the work every day. And that's, that's how you get this beautiful piece of, of art. That's amazing, yeah. man. I'm really interested yeah. in the school bus thing because, <laughs> you know, as a teacher and as someone who's around kids all day, yeah. um, one of the things that I struggle with during the school year when I'm, when I'm in the classroom. So I've, I've been like in and out of the classroom for 14 years now. And mm -hmm. this, this year I'm back and full time in the classroom for, for the remainder of this, of this year. Yeah. And it's great. Like I, I love my work, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I don't have a whole lot of like, I don't have a whole lot of energy for much of anything, especially mm. writing or doing creative mm. work. I did the other day. It was awesome. But the only reason I was able to do it is because my partner is an artist and she was doing something. And I was like, I mm. need to work on my damn novel. Like I really do. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and she was doing it. And I was like almost falling asleep on the keyboard, you know, doing it. <laughs> but it was just, it took her energy to get me to that place, you know, and her. Yeah, you had to, you had to draft off of her. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I had to draft. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Yeah. I had to draft <laughs> off of her. Um, but like with the school bus thing. So a couple of things that interested me in that one is for folks listening who don't know what school buses are like, it's a pretty tough <laughs> job. Like you're it's surprisingly you're, tough. Yeah, It's really <laughs> tough. Like you're, you're, you're main managing a group of kids while also making sure they get to A and B safely and you're driving yeah. a bus. A um, bus. So like, that's really challenging work. I mean, I've never actually driven the bus, but I've been on plenty of school buses on plenty of field trips. And then we used to, um, one time we were having trouble with the buses. So, uh, we each took shifts where we rode the buses, uh, before and after school, we rode the whole route and yep. like, so that we could then as teachers be the ones that were managing the bus. So the yep. driver could just drive. But yeah, most of the time you don't have that luxury. You're doing both. And <laughs> then at the end of that, I'm just interested in like whether or not you were in fact, like after your morning shift exhausted, you know, or drained <laughs> after that work. Yeah. I, yeah, it's so funny. Like driving school bus, you're constantly like, what's the most imminent danger? What's going on in the back of the bus or what's happening right in front of the bus? You know what I mean? And yeah. like, sometimes you have to like, let that kid, like this sounds yeah. terrible, but it's like, I have to let that kid bully that other kid for 20 more seconds so that I can safely get through this intersection. And then I'm going to pull over and I'm going to put a stop to that. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yep. um, it's, it's, such it's a, so it's hard, such a man. Job. People it's don't realize like job. it's yeah. really hard work and, and, and it yeah. pays, and it pays shit. Most it does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like, I guess to answer your question, I, I felt very tired uh, after getting home, after dropping the kids off in the afternoon. Okay. Like I was, I was pretty much tapped at that point. I'd been awake since like, man, I, I think I was, I think my routine is I was waking up at like 5am 
mm. every every day and was kind of going to bed like soft 8 30 9 p.m or whatever was when i was tapping out or whatever but but by the time i was dropping the kids off in the afternoon like i had been up early driven school bus and then i'd also like really spent myself creatively for like a really solid four or five hours in between them or whatever and so there was kind of like a really good natural just like kind of closing up the shop at the end of the like i kind of like the songs would kind of percolate in my brain whilst doing all the stuff that you do as a school bus driver um but then it was kind of like a really nice natural time for me to like put the songs on the shelf a little bit and just spend time like that season i remember just like it was like such a really awesome healthy like rhythm like I'd, i'd get done driving the kids and get home and i'd just like hang out with my wife and we'd do dinner and maybe hang out with a friend and then like i was just in bed early you know what mm-hmm. i mean like it was just monday through friday was just this like really like like segmented which sounds kind of like boring but it actually felt so free in a lot of ways like yeah, yeah, like it yeah. was really reg it was really regimented in in a lot of ways but i don't know like it, there was there was this a time for everything in in that mm-hmm. season that was like so wonderful you know but but no when i got back in the morning to my house after dropping the kids off i was like ready to go like i think i'd been awake Mm. for like three hours at the time i had like i had a i'd squashed some fights you know in the back of the bus like like i had uh, gotten the kids there safely and whatever and then got home ate breakfast like got some food in me coffee and was like i was just like i was i was on you know yeah yeah Um, Afternoon is a different story, though. I was collapsing. <laughs> well, I think also the second thing about that. So there's the challenge that I was curious about, and then and and the exhaustion that can come with working around kids because you're in physical proximity to them, and they're For they're sure. giving off all kinds of energy, you know, and and mm-hmm, e- mm-hmm. and each one of them is giving off different different energy, and um, yep. you know, yep. if you're an empath at all, you're absorbing some of that, and then you know, it's like it's really difficult to then go and be a human afterward. (laughs) And so (laughs) I was interested in that, but I'm also interested in one of the things I'm constantly searching for, especially in the summers, since I have Mm -hmm. summers off is uh, constantly searching for those constraints that you just described. You had that block of time. You had to do the work during that time or it wasn't going to get done. And you had these ideas that you had to get out and mm-hmm. so it's re- it's great that you did you know that like when you took on that job as a as a bus driver were you like mm-hmm. oh this is awesome because I I'm gonna do this because then it'll force me to to, to create during this time yeah actually completely um ever since I like I've been like writing songs sort of since I was like uh, like ten kind mm-hmm. of and when I say writing songs I've always been writing lyrics I didn't re- mm-hmm. I didn't actually get an instrument that you could write songs to that didn't enter the picture until like my freshman year of college basically uh but yeah when i was when i was in college was when i really caught the bug for oh i want to do music i want to write songs like this is what i want to do and since then every single job that i've ever taken has been taken with the consideration of is this going to further or hinder my pursuits of writing songs and wow. doing band stuff and um and so like i've worked in i've man i've i've literally i've counted it i think i'm not exaggerating i think i've worked for 40 different employers since i was like 18 wow and pretty and i've managed to leave every single one of those on good terms which yeah, is yeah. 
I, I I'm not gonna lie, is really impressive if you it think about impressive. it, because that's that's averaging leaving a job like every two to three months. Yeah. <laughs> Which if you're an employer, that sucks. If you have yeah. somebody and you train them and then they ditch you three months later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the when I arrived at school bus driving, I'd heard from a buddy who worked at the bus station and who was also a creative, and uh, I think he knew that I he knew I was looking for a job and also knew that I was looking for a job, a a certain type of job that would uh, give me enough money to be able to um, support myself and and uh, my wife um, at least a little bit and still allow me time to be creative and and do that and uh, and so I checked it out and I was like oh this seems like this might be really great and I was like really upfront with the company like hey I'm a musician and um, this is what I'm like this job will be a good fit for me if these are the if this is the circumstance does that seem like something that like would work well with you guys and they were like oh yeah that would be great like they're just like the the most wonderful kind people like you watch mm-hmm. parks and rec yeah. you know they're mm-hmm. like the like you know like the accounting firm uh-huh. like and they were like that with yeah. me they were just like ridiculously kind and ridiculously accommodating and like so excited to like have somebody I think they were like excited to have like a creative in the building or something like that. I don't, uh, I don't know. I just, I always got that, got that vibe of like, Oh, Gabe is we, a song. We got a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> rock star yeah, bus he's driver. Like, he's, he's doing this to support his, his dreams of being that's a songwriter. Great. You know what I mean? Oh my God. That's great. Um, uh, Gabe, so yeah. this, this uh, free version of zoom is about to end, but I'm having so much fun. Do you have more time? Can we just restart I've, I've this? Got link? A very, I've got a very free morning, dude, as, as much okay. time as you want, man. Yeah, awesome. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just going to end this and then we'll uh, just hit the same link. I'll just start the, the meeting over. Killer, awesome. See you in a sec. All right. Cool. All right. Perfect. We're going to add you to the Zoom Hall of Fame. Some folks come back yeah. on and it takes them forever, right? I'm sitting there waiting. Uh, not Gabe. Gabe's right back, baby. Right I'm away. here. I'm here. And we're back. <laughs> Gabe's used to that bus driving schedule. He's Exactly. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> you got to get there. Um, <laughs> totally. Dude. Um, okay. So a couple of things I wanted to to dive a little bit more into the record because one of the, the things that... Yeah that uh, I noticed is as um, what I would recognize as sort of spiritual or almost religious imagery mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is, uh, are you a, like a, a spiritual and or religious person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Okay. And can, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what that means to you? Yeah. Well, um, I grew up in, in the church. My dad is a pastor. Oh, wow, um, okay. So I've been in and around that for my entire life um and uh yeah and definitely a 100 percent still a person of faith and in fact this record in a lot of ways uh that's kind of one of the through lines i would say of this record is Mm. this record kind of chronicles a a time of like extreme doubt i would say um i I don't know how close I was to really completely walking away from belief in God. Mm. Um, but it was, I didn't know what was going to happen, I guess. Um, was like, a, a, I guess kind of a buzzword around this sort of thing in modern times that I don't know if it really applies or not, but like deconstruction is a term that I think a lot of people are, would apply to this sort of thing of like, you grew up being taught things about the nature of the world, about 
God, about um, faith and theology and stuff. And just like all of us as kids, we just accept the things that we're taught to believe. Mm -hmm. And um, around the time that I was like writing this record, really kind of leading up into when I started writing this record, it was kind of like one by one, certain things like didn't really make sense to me or all it was more so like all of a sudden I was like oh I've like believed this like my whole life but I don't know why I believe that actually like I Mm. I I I I would say if somebody asked me like oh I believe this but I if they asked a simple follow-up question like oh why do you believe that yeah I'd be like uh yeah I didn't think you were gonna I didn't think you were gonna ask me that (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah yeah and uh and Man, uh, whether you're a person of faith or not a person of faith, our understanding of the world is like 100% like a tapestry. And you start pulling on one thread and like you start pulling on one thing, you will find it is interconnected with so many different things. You know, that if you start rethinking what you believe about, uh, trying to think of a good example, I don't know politics you will find politics is connected to all sorts of other parts of your life and if you start questioning that aspect it inherently will cause you to question so many other things and then and then you 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 just start chasing that and it just has this domino effect of all of a sudden like the floor goes out from underneath you and everything just feels like it's in question and it's just free fall man and yeah um and that was really the season that I found myself in of like, I don't, I don't know if there's a God, I don't know what he's like. Um, I don't know what my purpose is or if there is purpose. Um, all the, like just everything felt in question, which is so like, I mean, we were talking about profit, like it's so exhausting, like trying yeah. to like, tr- you're just grasping for anything that feels firm, you know, that like, Oh, I can hang my hat on this. This is true. You know, like, like, and start from with that. You know what I mean? I had very little, I think honestly, all that I, I think that thing that I found that felt like this is solid is I was like, I do believe that there's something beyond us, that Mm. there is a higher power and that the nature of that higher power is love. Mm-hmm. and it is goodness and i don't have many answers beyond that i don't understand why there is a a god who is good and is love and why there is so much evil all around me i don't know why like i i don't know why but at the end of the day i believe that this craving for love and for goodness that we all have that that comes from outside of us that that comes from that that's originating from somewhere else you know what i mean and mm. that was like that was like basically that was like all I had. <laughs> and, yeah. And that weirdly, so like that the like a major theme in this record is trust. And mm. like sometimes trust uh is not in much, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. it's I mean trust is trust in a way is inherent in trust is not knowing. You know what I mean? If you knew yeah. it wouldn't be trust, it would just be knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so Maybe that was more than you bargained for, but yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah. what I wanted. I'm glad. I'm glad. You started out kind. Of, you started out kind of like, am I gonna? I was like, am I gonna get him to go there? <laughs> and you went there. <laughs> I went there. Yeah, dude. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, because those are the questions I wrestle with Gabe. And like, you know, my, for me, you said something that really res, you said a couple of things that really resonated with me. One of them is when in talking about profit and how exhausting it is to live in a space of asking these questions. And I live in a perpetual state of asking these questions, um, Mm -hmm. from, Mm -hmm. from having grown up in the church and lost my faith at a very young age and, Mm -hmm. um, really, really struggling with, uh, existence and um yeah. where what the purpose is and the older i get the the worse it gets i i don't feel more mm. comfort as i get older with that it's mm. um it's becoming more difficult for me because i feel the the end of my life in in uh <clears throat> you know much more it's much more present than it was say 10 or 15 years ago. Um, I'm feeling the pull of the physical breakdown of my body, you know, starting to get to that point where like I have a 15 minute run is, you know, is a lot right now. And, um, you know, and, and it wasn't five years ago, (laughs) it was, Mm -hmm. uh, I was running a marathon (laughs) three years ago, you know? And, um, funny how time slips away, isn't it? It's amazing. It's, it's, and, I, but the thing that gives me some hope is what you said. And, and and I liked how you framed the fact that you were looking for something to hold on to. And the thing that you were able to hold on to was really kind of a, uh, a vague nebulous thing to some extent. Right. And that is this existence <laughs> of something outside of you, but I find it comforting that that's how you process it. Cause to, cause I, I, I think I'm in a similar place in terms of the, the love part, right? Like to me, mm-hmm. whatever that, that God thing is, whatever that sort of higher power is the, the place that it's manifest for me or the way that it's manif- that it manifests for me is in love. And I can mm-hmm. see that that's a tangible thing I can see and feel every day with the love that I feel for the people in my life and my dogs and you know, all kinds of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it feels and... more than just it, 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 to call that just a chemical interaction in your brain that causes you to have a chemical reaction that we call an emotion of, of, and that we name that chemical reaction as love, but it isn't actually love. It's just a chemical reaction feels like, no, yeah. it is more than that. You know, like I, I, I reject that, that this is just a chemical thing you know what i mean yeah. that 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 feels insufficient like i understand i understand chemistry i understand sure, science. Sure, sure. I, I get that but that 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 feels like that is part of the answer certainly but is not the fullness of the answer that there's something like bigger than just a chemical reaction that causes me to love my partner for me to love the animals in my life to love my friends that that is that there is something spiritual going on there that cannot be fully explained by um somebody opening up my brain and looking at the levels of chemicals and dopamine and whatever yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. Opening yeah. up your brain based on what I've heard from this record, opening up your brain and looking at the chemicals might be a, a, a pretty long process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of chemicals a bit... interacting up there. Yeah, yeah. You might be a little bit afraid of what you find. Yeah. <laughs> um what can you talk about um the the namesake of the band and the and the track itself that's uh named after Waldemar? Yeah, hundred percent. Um so yeah, namesake of the band is my grandpa Wally, my dad's dad. Uh, grew up in, he was a farmer in Minnesota his whole life. Uh, mm. I think he was a second generation American. I'm pretty sure it was his parents, not his grandparents, who were 
uh, first generation fresh off the boat from Norway. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, at the farmhouse is it's still an active cattle farm. Uh, my my cousins are running it now. They just took it over from my my uncle. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my, my grandpa Wally, uh, he, uh, he, uh, yeah, he was like, I think he was like a teenager during the great depression. His brothers went and fought in world war two. And he was, I think, I don't know how the draft worked back then, but I think in a lot of cases, farming communities, they let one sibling stay home to like, kind of take care of the farm and the rest of the brothers would get drafted and go off to war. And so he was the one that stayed home. Um, 99% sure of that history if my dad is listening he might call me and and fact check me but I'm 99% sure that's that's right so yeah. um but uh yeah but but yeah he was like the uh first like uh he was he was a pretty quiet he was a very quiet man um and was the first like kind of tangible understanding that I had of what depression looked like for a person and he was like a teen during the great depression and I think that had from what I understand that had a really big effect on him and I think um and he came and lived with us for the last few years of his life he had dementia and stuff but I remember as a little kid like my my whole family's very gregarious loud big emotions or whatever and in the midst of that was my grandpa Wally who's very quiet reserved um not very extreme emotions wouldn't say a whole lot whatever and I remember as like a little kid like kind of asking my dad I don't know how I would have phrased it but like why is grandpa Wally the way that he is mm -hmm. and my dad my dad I don't know how my dad explained it to me but I remember him being like oh like he struggles with depression you know mm -hmm. and explained to me kind of what that is and I think the way that my probably six-year-old brain took it in is like okay sometimes adults are sad and yeah. not because something just happened to them they're just sad why are they sad i don't understand this but whatever he was like the first kind of like uh uh my early understanding of what depression looked like in a person and depression like really runs in my family my dad has struggled with it and then i found myself struggling with it like very deeply um coming out of college the band that i started in college when i like i said when i really caught the bug for songwriting we all moved into a house together and then things just weren't working out. We had we had like five songwriters in one band, which is a disaster. Uh, <laughs> it's not gonna work. Uh, 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 and uh, so we we decided to end the band, but we're all still living together, which like felt like living in a house with your ex girlfriend or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, they're all they're all like in their room, like writing new songs, and I'm in my room doing nothing. And they were all still in school at the time. I was the only one who was graduated, and so I was just like I was working on a painting crew and doing nothing and i was just all the the dream that i had of doing the band thing all of a sudden felt dead in the water and i didn't ha have enough confidence in myself as a songwriter I, re I really felt like oh i i got lucky that i had assembled a crew of really good musicians that and who i and i'm not a good musician and um that's what i was dealing with and eventually like i couldn't work on music for like three or four months man and finally i just was like i need to just write a song just to just write a song like I just need to get something out and I mm. like went into my bedroom basically at this house and what came out was the song Waldemar and I was wrestling with my own depression through the lens of my grandpa Wally and man I finished that song and it happened that song like really just kind of spilled out pretty fast it it, it it didn't I don't remember that one taking a long time to figure that one out and I just kind of looked at that song and was just like this is a good song like I I think I still 
I still want to do this. Like, I think I've got something to share and maybe I don't actually need those other guys in the band to be able to keep doing this. And, uh, and I, I don't know, I like, I didn't think about it at all. I was just like, Oh, I I'm calling this band Waldemar. Like uh, that's, that's like what I'm going to wow. go by this family, family name. It feels like it describes this work and whatever, but yeah, man, that, that little, that little, it's it, a lot of times like the songs that have been around for a long time, you hear the songwriters looking back at works that they made eight or nine years ago and are like i don't know if i like that song very much anymore and that song every time i sing it every time i play it it still feels as fresh as when i wrote it honestly like um which i feel really grateful for it It, that 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 song feels like it saved me a little bit um wow so but yeah i so i could have put it on that first ep that i did as as waldemar um, but for some reason that song felt like it belonged in a larger body of work. So I've been kind of just sitting on that one, waiting to put that on like the full record. And so this was it. This was its time. To, Man, to, that's to great. It's a beautiful so. song. I mean, it, this record top to bottom is beautiful. There's not, mm. there's not a miss on it. It's, it's absolutely. Oh, uh, sick. The, yeah. I mean, it's, it, the, the writing is incredible. Um, the, the sort of, um, you know, the the freshness of it. I mean, you mentioned uh War on Drugs earlier and th- and that influence mm-hmm. is quite obvious um on this record. <laughs> totally, but, totally. <laughs> but it's not it's not like you're doing a it's like you're just ripping off War on Drugs or something, right? It's just that there yeah, is yeah. that essence to it that is hard to explain. Cause like how do you fuck do you explain War on Drugs to people, right? I don't I don't know like what that is. I, don't know, man. <laughs> I know I know it I know it moves me. Freaking <laughs> like, good. Yeah, yeah, I know it really moves good. me in real big ways but yep, i don't yep. know how to explain it and i think the essence of that of that is very true on ruthless like that it, that mm. essence of like this thing really moves me on first listen like the first listen mm. my first listen was i was on spring break and i was driving to tampa i was going to go to some spring training games and mm. then inter- interview somebody and um bronson arroyo that was our most recent um episode Sick. yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was so much fun dude it yeah, was dude. God, I can't say enough about how cool that experience was. Yeah, that's a killer interview, man. That's a good yeah. get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you know I was on my way there, so I, I I pop your record in, and I was like, oh yeah, this I this has got me right right off the bat. This killer. has got me right. Um, right. But then the thing that it 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 rewards um uh, repeated listens because mm. I think um the because the music is so unique. That that on my first listen, I was I was lost in the music, and then on yeah. my second and third and fourth, and then now I'm on my you know whatever listen, uh, yeah. the 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 songwriting comes through, the lyrics come through mm. uh, for mm. me, right? So the first listen was like, oh, this is fresh, this is interesting. Um, mm. There's like elements of all these different things that I love, right? There's yeah, all there's these elements of all these kind of things that that speak to me musically, mm. and then mm. the repeated listens reward just how lyrically rich it is and how um how much i like i told you before how much i needed this this record and um mm. so you know it's, it really is just absolutely outstanding man and um mm. and i'm just grateful for it and i'm grateful for the work. that makes me really happy to hear that dude like yeah. i i i went the entire time i was making it like i was the repeated listens thing that that makes me really happy to hear that um i feel like a lot of times the songwriters I think we're kind of chasing, I don't know, we're, we're trying to make the record we want to hear to some degree. You know, I don't, mm. I don't know if we necessarily think of it in those terms necessarily, but 
think if you're if you're song if you're writing songs honestly that's i think in some to some degree what you're trying to do and a lot of my favorite 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 records are the ones where the rewards are are richest in the repeated listens you know Mm -hmm. uh i love subtleties in the mix like i love when you can come back to a song and keep noticing little details um around every corner like or even like a lyric all of a sudden blossoms to you in some way or that it takes 10 listens to hear the way that songs on a record reference each other like stuff like that you never notice that on the first listen unless it's like painfully obvious or or whatever um but that was because i love records that are like that so much honestly part of what i feel like took so long in making this record was i spent so much time uh putting in little details and even in the mixing mixing details in really subtly and i i think in some ways i don't i don't have the language for it while i was doing this but i think to some degree i was putting in detail that was for a listener like almost like a specific gift for a listener who's like me you know Uh... like this little detail nobody's going to hear until they've listened to this record like 20 times you know what i mean and maybe nobody ever will listen to the record 20 times and that's and that's okay but this little detail literally nobody's gonna hear it unless you like are really your head gets really deep inside this song and so this is like like, so many of my favorite records feel like they have those little gifts of like like oh they like put that little thing in there like that was an intentional act And like, that's not for, that's not like, you're not going to hear that on the radio. You're not going to hear that on whatever. Like that feels like that was for me. Like for like, I am deep into this record. This record means so much to me. This feels like a personal little, here you go, Gabe. Yeah. And I feel like, I think that was kind of on my mind a little bit, not in exactly that language or whatever, but like, I was very aware of a lot of the stuff that I was layering in there that in the back of my brain, there's this like constant conflict of like, bro nobody's gonna hear this thing that you're putting in like <laughs> this is so far back in the mix it's it's it, there's other stuff that's sandwiched around it like nobody's gonna hear this you know yeah. but i i don't know i still i i couldn't help myself honestly <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't know it's like what i had to do so. uh well i think that that yeah. okay that makes a ton of sense to me and and that i think contributes to its re-listenability i mean that mm. contributes to the fact that it, it's been there have been l- lately and and I, I think I I don't think I've processed it quite like this until now that we're having this conversation. But mm. um, there there have been records because I'm going through such a difficult season in my life. There have yeah. been records that I need as comfort records. I need to yeah. I need yeah, to dude. feel like you know you know what I'm saying. Like I need I need that rec- Pony Bradshaw's um, North Georgia Rounder is one that mm. has been a constant companion i had got an advanced mm. listen to it and it came out in january but i've been listening to it since november of last mm-hmm. year and it was like my companion through some really fucking heavy stuff and oh man and then this record life's not quite as heavy now as it was a couple months ago for me but it's still like just taking jab after jab and mm. and this record has been my constant companion and it has been my mm-hmm. i'm in the car and i'm like what am i gonna go to uh, boom mm-hmm. i got I'm, i got ruthless on there like that has been oh, sweet yeah i don't think i processed it like that until just now as you were saying that but i think mm-hmm. the, the amount of detail you put into it and 
the amount of effort that went into making this record contributes to its re-listenability in that way. Mm, mm. Yeah. Man, that makes me so happy to hear that, dude. That it's like it's cool to like go back like so many memories of being bleary eyed at three or four in the morning adding in little little things and questioning whether or not that would end up being actually meaningful for somebody it's like fun it's fun to be like oh that was for jason you know yeah 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 like yeah yeah. and and maybe there will be somebody else besides besides you as well and if that's true like i'm super grateful for that but that's 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 really rewarding for me to hear that man so thank you for telling me that yeah for sure um uh are you gonna tour this thing at all yeah yeah um in fact uh we're we're kicking off like our record release touring here on may 6th we're starting with the hometown record release show in eau claire and then uh we're doing uh a solid run through the midwest the midwest circuit if you will um mm-hmm. in in may uh we're playing uh minneapolis chicago milwaukee madison uh Dubuque, Iowa, a um, couple other, I'm blanking cool. on the rest of our tour dates in May, but um, yeah, and then we're starting booking um, some other stuff that's further further out from the Midwest. Um, my hope is for us to get out to East Coast uh, later this year, maybe West Coast early next year, um, but I don't know, like we've never toured out East, we've never toured out West, and so mm-hmm. um, getting people who, you know, reaching out to talent buyers and stuff who have never heard of you and you have zero tour history, you know, we'll, we'll see what yeah. happens, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or zero tour history in those markets or whatever. But, right. um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to pound the pavement a lot over the next year. I'd, I'd like to go hit pretty much every major region of the United States over the next like year or two. So, oh, um, Good. that's that's the hope we'll see what actually happens but, yeah, yeah great well i hope it i hope it lines up where i get to catch out on the road that would be awesome to, yeah because you're in florida summer. right yeah, yeah you said you're in florida yeah, yeah dude i would love to yeah I, I i've only been to florida once and it was on a family trip and we had a we did like the classic disney thing and okay. had had a really rad time um wait no i've been to florida twice it doesn't matter okay. whatever yeah yeah well yeah. i mean we've we love good music here. So like, I, I think people sometimes overlook Florida and think for good reason. I mean, we're, we're a joke <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like we're, we're a punchline in a lot of ways, but I do think that when, when artists, so, I mean, I had Mike Harmeyer from Mike and the Moon Pies on a little while ago. Mm. And uh, he, one of the things that's happened with Mike and the Moon Pies is like, you know, they're kind of like known as the Texas, Oklahoma circuit kind of band, but okay, then they, cool. they've started to get out, you know, quite a bit more in recent years and they're they are beloved in florida they sell out all over florida and and like i was talking to him about that and and the rest of the band about it they were surprised they didn't realize how much (laughs) of an appetite there is here for live music um Mm. and i i i understand why to some extent people think that we're just always at the beach all the time or whatever but um you know (laughs) we have yeah yeah exactly spring break but we we have really great rock clubs here uh orlando is like full of great rock clubs um and i i don't think most folks know that i mean folks who listen to this show know that because i'm constantly harping on it but i think generally speaking people don't realize that um there's just a lot of cool venues here and there's an appetite Mm. for for music here and it may not be in austin or uh even a minneapolis as you mentioned earlier that you're going to be playing but but it's uh 
you know, it's a place where we love, we love live music. So hopefully you're able to make it down here, but regardless, I'm just yeah. so stoked, man. I, I, we, I'm, I've like gotten lost in this conversation and forgot to ask all my like normal questions. So we usually end, <laughs> end on what you're getting down on. Um, then that's the sure. art that has you inspired at the moment. Maybe it's a record you're listening to or a book you've been reading or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, um, my favorite artist of all time is Willie Nelson. And, oh, right um, and, uh, yeah, if, if, if you listen to Willie, um, you can kind of hear him sprinkled throughout the, the Ruthless record in some, in some kind of weird and subtle, subtle ways or whatever. But, um, oh, that, I, like, wonderful... I, I had no idea. And that makes so much sense. Like, I yeah, love, exactly. I love you, Willie Nelson and like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, and the the thing is, uh, my my brother Nick, who plays drums in the band, uh-huh. he always gives me such a hard time about my really awful sense of time. Like I in in my songwriting, I have a bad habit of like adding beats and <laughs> yeah. like just completely obliterating time signatures and stuff. And then it's usually <laughs> yeah. a process of us trying to put things back into four four. Um, <laughs> like what comes out of the gate is usually makes no sense. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I very, very Willie ask. <laughs> yeah well exactly like like nick i i've told nick like oh the reason i i i i think i've listened to so much willie that my phrasing in my vocal phrasing on the ruthless record is not quite always on the beat you know i'm kind of dancing around the beat a little bit on certain songs yeah and and i was talking to nick about that and i was like i feel like man, I think Willie's just really gotten in there. He's like, no, I think you've just always had a terrible sense of time, dude. And you just happen <laughs> to find somebody who also is like that. But uh, it's just who you anyway, are. And you're like, yeah, I'm like Willie Nelson. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. I'm really influenced by Willie or I'm just, <laughs> I just have no sense of time. I don't know, man. But uh, but yeah, so the anyway, as far as like what I'm getting down with, the beautiful thing about Willie is the dude puts out like two, yeah. like two records a year at least for like always and like bro he doesn't miss they're all they're just so good every single one of them but so yeah he just put out this this record that i've been listening to a ton uh it's all covers of a guy then i'm gonna blank on the songwriter's name like uh he wrote uh uh buck owens uh hit tiger by the tail so willie covered that that song but i'm blanking on the actual name of the songwriter but it's all songs by this one songwriter that willie liked and they're just they feel like they they feel like songs that willie wrote which is part of what he's so good at is he takes a song that somebody else has written in so many cases and they feel like he wrote them i mean like blue eyes crying in the rain he didn't write that you know or always on my mind he i don't yeah he didn't write that one either but like those are willie songs you know what i mean so anyway so i've been listening to a lot of willie lately because i'm always listening to a lot of willie um harlan howard is the songwriter you're thinking of I think. harlan howard yes yeah. yes that's it yeah harlan howard um folks listening, yeah, I, uh, I i googled that don't don't give me too much credit <laughs> <laughs> i knew it was an h i was gonna say like hank cochran or something like that i, I couldn't remember but yeah okay yeah um uh, what's yeah, your so favorite been... what's your favorite willie record how much time have we got bro here we go um, <laughs> um uh, I think I think our listeners my, would would listen to a whole nother podcast of me and you talking about Willie Nelson, dude. I you, you joke. I do, <laughs> I'd be up for it. I'm not joking. Um, my my vinyl Willie collection is kind of silly. Um, oh, nice. I think it's like 20, 20 records and growing or something right now, which is like a little blip of his recorded material, yeah. which is just like 
freaking ridiculous. It's in the Again, hundreds. Like, I, I forget what the it's, number is. It's but, silly. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Like I put out a record every five years, and Willie puts out two records every eight months. It's yeah. just ridiculous. And he's and he's ninety. Like, come on. Like, yeah, yeah. Just a treasure. But yeah, my favorite. I would have to say, my this is going to be controversial amongst like big time Willie fans. Okay. Um, so like, here we go controversy uh-huh. but my favorite record i have to go with always on my mind and okay. it's because it's it's because that's the that was my gateway record into uh, uh-huh. um and it like always on my mind is is a controversial controversial record amongst willie fans because it was kind of a, a pop record in a lot mm-hmm. of ways you know like like people that really love uh willie's like country country stuff um that record can feel a little bit confusing to him it was like and he'd been at it for a while. The record came out in the eighties, but like that record for me was my gateway because it contained, it was like, it was enough country to my not country ears at the time. This is like eight years mm. ago, maybe that I got into this record, uh, that it felt different than something that I'd ever heard before. And yet present in it are these like big ballad pianos that I love in, in so many songs and like, really sweet um phasery chorused out delayed guitars that i love from bands like drugs and whatever um and so i'd like had all these elements that i already loved but it had a freshness to it like man that record is like i dropped the needle on that one and the entire way through is just like this is my favorite song on the record no this is my favorite song uh, on the record. like uh-huh. yeah. so but from from there Tro is i think Tro is really special uh-huh. uh spirit is probably that's mine. my second oh dude that's my spirit Spirit's is, mine yeah oh my goodness i just finished reading a book again i'm big willie fan you're talking yeah, i just yeah, finished yeah. reading a book uh between willie nelson and his sister bobby who just passed away this right. past year yeah, yeah. Uh, called me and sister bobby and they talk a lot about making the record spirit it came on the heels of bobby losing two of her kids in the span of like two months and willie losing one of his sons and it was out of that that they wrote or that they wrote wrote some of the songs and and covered some of the other ones for for that one and listening to those two talk about that record in that book was i listened to the audiobook of it and they they both narrated it together i cannot recommend that book the audiobook okay. specifically listening listening to those two read the book is just it's it's incredible so so i've been Dude, getting down on willie <laughs> yeah that's awesome i'm glad i'm so glad you did because well i, mean, I grew up with willie willie was my mother's favorite artist my father's favorite artist um or among mm-hmm. my father's favorite artists uh, when I, I remember as a kid, when I was getting into music, um, like really like that teenage time when you're really trying to learn about all the records that came before and all this kind of For stuff. Sure. And uh, heritage, yeah, yeah, exactly. Musical and, and, heritage, yeah. yeah. And from, from Kentucky grew up in South or in central Florida and at all like country, country music just in my blood. Like it's just a part of, mm, you know, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's what I grew up on. And, um, and so I asked my dad, I was like, what? as a because albums i got obsessed with albums right and i was like what's yeah, your dude, what, what do you think is the greatest album of all time you know and he's mm. not a huge music guy and he was like uh willie nelson's redheaded stranger and so i went and got a copy okay. of willie nelson's redheaded stranger with my allowance money that like that weekend and heck yeah and then shortly thereafter i forget what your spirit came out 93 or four, that was a 90s record yeah that was early 90s like yeah four yeah but I remember 
like because you know i would just go to this i'd go to like sam goody or whatever and i'd I'd look through the cds and i'd go back to my favorite artists and i'd i'd always get their new stuff and i remember that came out and it had the that has that cool picture of him on the like the cover is amazing yeah. That cover is arresting. It's yeah, just like yeah. you have to stop when you see that one. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And and then it and you listen to that record and it's just like there. I mean, he's done some of those kinds of things before, but but yeah, this was a totally different thing. And I just remember like going, Oh, this is what this is a thing. This is a, what music could sound like. It was one of those moments, right? Where you're just like, This is a completely different thing from anything yeah. I've experienced before. And mm-hmm. man, I don't know when you last listened to it. it sounds like recently, but <laughs> that yeah. record fucking holds up. I mean, it, it does. is it is brilliant, dude. Matador, the opener on that record, is like, find me a stronger like album opener that just like sets a feeling. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, Like, oh my goodness, and like. The way that Willie plays it too is he's such like, he's like, you're like, is he a total hack on guitar? And then he all of a sudden <laughs> hits the next phrase and you're like, he's incredible. Yeah. And he's, then he hits yeah. the next phrase and you're and you're like, wait, does he is he just making this up? And then yeah. the next phrase just is so intentional, like you never, it keeps you on your toes in that way. It's yeah. ah, it's amazing to see him play live too, like when because especially and I haven't seen him in a few years, but I've probably seen Willie ten or twelve times live and. Um, it's amazing to see him play guitar live. It's kind of, it's a, it's like an interesting (laughs) juxtaposition. You don't necessarily expect him to be so good. And he is, he's He's really incredible in his own way. I, I am getting to see Willie Nelson for the very first time, uh, at the end of May. Um, I, 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 in Fargo, we're driving, my wife and I are driving to Fargo to go see him. And I'm like, I, I, I cannot wait. I I'm cannot so excited for how, you. How excited! I yeah. I was in I was in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. Uh, I don't know six seven years ago, mm. and the friend of mine that I was with, he's a really great band manager, and somehow he's a band manager, and so band managers just like they know people. Somehow he and I both got invited to like go hang at Willie's place. Yeah. And, oh my god! And we didn't go. We were at, we were, dude, I, this is my least favorite. I'm smiling, but this is a story of pain. We were at a Sylvanesso and Polisa and somebody else show in, in Austin. And uh, like, we're friends with some of the people playing in the bands and we were just like having a good time. We were like, oh, we'd have to like get a cab and have to like, (laughs) it just like, for some reason it felt like an inconvenience to go hang out at Willie's place or something. And so we just like, we didn't go. And it was like, I think it was like a year after that is when all of a sudden I got like insanely into Willie and that, that has haunted me ever since then that I like, just, I couldn't be bothered to go hang out with one of America's living legends. Like, (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm, like Sylvan Esso and Polisa, you know, they're, freaking fantastic bands but i yeah. uh, made a mistake <laughs> oh man so, i i get that yeah. though i've I've definitely been there in, in similar situations but i'm stoked for you that you're gonna get to see willie that's gonna be awesome man gabe this has been a much needed conversation for me i am yeah, so same. grateful for your time and, and energy i'm so grateful for your beautiful record and the constant companionship it's provided me and i'm really excited mm-hmm. for folks to hear it dude thank you thank you dude thank you yeah this has been a blast Chad, awesome. I'm, I'm honored that you love it and that you wanted to want to chat about it too. This has been great. 
Yeah, awesome. Man, well, have a great rest of your day, and uh, I hope to see you down the road. Yeah, likewise, man. It's where I grow. What's the difference between poignancy and simple reckless cruelty? I'm caught Gabe Larson, y'all. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank all of you for listening. WaldemarMusic.com for all things Waldemar. The song you're hearing in this episode is Limbo, which is the first track on the forthcoming Ruthless album. I can't say enough about the record. You can pre-order a copy over on the Waldemar website, marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, which desperately needs updating, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Spoutable, and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. We have a fairly new monthly show called What We're Getting Down On over on Patreon. It's a conversation between me and my good friend, Peter Haroldson, where we talk about the art that has us inspired at the moment, and we're having an absolute blast uh, with that show. Also, check out our show, Inner Child, where I ask our guests childlike questions, such as a favorite food, dream car, TV show, stuff like that. If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, I totally get that. You can Venmo or PayPal us, just at the marinade. All the money goes right back into making the show. We've got some festivals we want to cover. We've got some equipment that we want to buy, and... Every little bit helps. So we're really grateful if you can swing it to help us financially. But above all, we're just thankful that you listen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word about the marinade. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.